Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of In the Name of G podcast. Um, We're going to hop right into it. You know, we got to talk about everything that went on with the trade deadline. And we got to start off with two of the most, at least in recent memory, of how they have conducted themselves, two of the most unpredictable motherfuckers in the NBA. I'm talking about James Harden and Ben Simmons. Now, the 76ers and the Nets agreed on the trade. The 76ers get James Harden and Paul Millsap, while the Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Jumman, and two first-round picks, that being in 2022 and 2027. Now, just the deal in itself... Me, because, excuse me, I even feel the same way about the Anthony Davis trade. Now, of course, you're taking a chance of not getting an all-star player, you know, somebody else swooping in and trading for him or him, he not wanting to go to your team because you didn't try to trade for him because, you know, they got egos like that. Um, But if I was... The 76ers, I would have just waited to the offseason. Because based on what I've seen and what I've heard, you know, listening to Stephen A and Woj and uh Dave McMenamin, you know, all the other reporters on ESPN and FS1, that basically the only teams that had cap space, of course, you know, you got teams that can find a way to make cap space or other teams that can do sign and trades for James Harden. But he made it clear that he only wanted to go to Philly. So if I was Philly, I would have held my hands and waited to the offseason. Because you probably could have got him, and I say probably because anything could have happened, which, you know, probably is a factor as well why they did what they did. But you probably could have got James Harden for less, because if you wait to the off season, which he had, he didn't sign a extension with them, so he could walk. He could have walked as a free agent, and they would have got nothing. That would have had less leverage, and you probably could have got him for less pieces. Because whether who is better right now, I would have to say it just depends on what James Harden you get. And what Ben's what Ben Simmons is, whether he is a version, a better version of himself, the same version of himself, or a worse a worse version of himself, it just depends. Um, but I would have definitely the only thing I don't like of the deal, I just feel Philly gave up too much, you know. Seth is not Steph, of course. And, you know, Andre Drummond, the big penguin, <laughs> you know, he's been playing well for Philly, but he just not uh, a great, just a great big man either. But, you know, like Stephen A. said, in that trade, you gave the Nets what they, one of the deficiencies of their team which is a big man, you know, 
Andre Drummond, one thing he can do is gobble up rebounds. You gave them another shooter, and you also gave them two first-round picks. Now, if I'm giving giving you all that, you taking my main shooter. If I'm putting in, if I'm putting Seth in the deal as well, along with two first-round picks, yeah, I'm going to need Patty. I'm going to need Patty. I need Patty Mills. If I'm giving up all that, because, of course, you know, you still, you didn't have to give up thigh bull, but the way the NBA going, you know, it's nice to have good defenders, but the way the NBA is set up is all about offense. I w- you would have had to give me Patty Mills. Or that would have been something I'm not, I wouldn't have budged on. Um, and then you gave him two first-round picks as well. Now, first-round picks don't necessarily mean shit for NBA teams that's trying to contend. But like I was saying earlier, like with the Anthony Davis trade, if they could, trust me, if they could go back and do that, they would have, because I don't got the, the cap situation in front of me right now at the time, but I'm pretty sure if they could have kept their young pieces and just added AD as a free agent, I think they would. They would have. Because you could have traded those young pieces for another star. They fit, unlike what they did last summer. Because the Russell Westbrook trade, LeBron, you my guy, but... You let your you let your petty feelings get in the way because I think that was about trying to show the NBA you can win with Russ and Russ is Russ. Um, but yeah, that was uh one of the major trades. Now there was you know, I guess he wanted to get out of Brooklyn. They was it was claims that you know he wasn't feeling the scene scene in Brooklyn. I'm talking about the city. Um, I definitely think the, I think Kyrie Irving situation had a lot to do with him wanting to get out of Brooklyn because they all came to Brooklyn to try to win a championship. And, you know, Kyrie and KD came two seasons ago, this being the third season. They got James to force his way out of Houston last year to come and try to win a championship. And, you know, I'm pretty sure their their conversations was we're supposed to be all in this together. Okay, if Kyrie decided that he didn't want to get vaccinated, as in, if, you know, at first he couldn't play none of the games. And then as things went on, as, you know, KD got injured or they got injuries within other players on the team, they decided to backtrack on their word and let him play part-time. And with him being in and out of the lineup, I mean, I was think that camaraderie and chemistry does matter in the NBA. Like, uh, plus, if you have a stretch where you're playing three straight, three straight home games, or um, seven of your next ten is at home, and you're playing without your second or third best player, I mean that could be something difficult every other night. And, you know, also, I think just the decision itself probably rubbed James the wrong way as them going back on the word and letting him um, play, you know, only road games. Because I'm pretty sure they came there together. It was supposed to be about we, but then... 
you know, Kyrie, you know, being the individual that he is, you know, he rocked to the beat of his own drum. And, you know, most of, mostly everything revolved about the, about the Kyrie situation. And I just think that not only management, but I also feel KD as being the best player of the team. And, you know, the best player of the team is not always necessarily the leader of the team, even though ideally that was, that's what you would want it to be. But I also feel James Harden might have looked at KD with a side eye being the fact that this is supposed to be your boy. And you're not, I feel, he, K, KD must wasn't holding Kyrie accountable or asking the right questions because at the end of the day, if we're trying to win a championship, we necessarily can't do it with you being a part-time player. Especially where they're at right now, I think what they they've lost eight or nine straight games, and I think they're like um, eighth in the west, or not, I mean eighth in the east or ninth in the east. Um, of course, you know when KD come back, they and some of the pieces that they've acquired, they probably won't be there for long if they're able to ramp it up and you know get chemistry, get everybody um, situated. They probably won't be there. But still, that's something that needs to happen one way or the other. And they're banking on um, the city of New York to lift the mandate. Okay, what if that don't happen? And, you know, what I've heard today, they're talking like it's a foregone conclusion that that's going to be the case. And if it is, that's good for them. But if it ain't, what's plan B? Because at the end of the day, in the playoffs, when the game so down, Ben Simmons, unless he's just been in the um, gym putting up a 1,000 free throws every day, he's still a poor free throw shooter. So they're going to hack Ben Simmons. And I would hope that they move Ben to the center position and bring Andre Drummond off the bench or, you know, I would say in play – Aldridge at the four instead of Blake at the four because I know Lamarcus Aldridge is a better shooter. So I would say play him at the five. That way he has space to get down here because, you know, KD is a shooter. Um, Kyrie could pull that thing. I don't know who they're going to have at the three position because Joe Harris is still out with the ankle injury. Um but, yeah, I would move him to the five and, you know, let him do his thing because in Philly that was one of the main things because ideally, you know, they play him a point guard, small forward, when I think his best position probably would be playing the center position because other than Jokic, other than Joel and B, which was his teammate, and um, um, Nurkic and – uh, what's the guy from um, Phoenix? I'm trying to remember his name. Aiden. Other than those guys, there really isn't any other great big man. And, you know, hit my inbox or my timeline if I'm, or the comments if I'm leaving anybody out. But him at the center position and their ability to shoot and 
spaced the floor with the other players that got with KD and Kyrie and Seth and Joe if and when he comes back and Patty, I would play him at the five. That way he can still go downhill or you can throw it to him on the block and let him go to work. Um, But, yeah, I I didn't necessarily think the trade was going to go down. Um, Like I said, if I was the 76ers, I would have waited to the summertime because you probably could have got him for less pieces. Um, But, yeah, crazy things in the NBA. Um, The other deal, which... For me, I mean, I'm not invested in either of the teams, um, but the trade between the Dallas Mavericks and the Washington Wizards. The Dallas Mavericks pick up Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, and the Wizards get Christos Porzingis and a second-round pick. Now, for me, I think this is more about trying to give... um, Luka Doncic, a break of guard duty. I think that's what this is more about. And then Porzingis is never, not only because of his injury history, but also his fit with Luka hasn't been what they thought they was getting when they traded uh, him from, when I got him from New York a couple of seasons back. Um, But I think for the Wizards, this trade is more about because the Wizards, with the Lakers trade that they got from Westbrook, they, of course, they're a trash-ass team. But from night to night, they got a couple pieces that, you know, could entice Bradley Beal to maybe sign an extension. Um, you know, you got Kuz, you got KCP, you got um, Porzingis now. You can slide him to the five um, because, you know, they tr- traded uh, Trez away. Um, but that, that was an interesting trade to me. Um, I definitely think situationally the teams got better because you're getting Davis Bertans who shorter, but does some of the same things that Porzingis does as a player. And you're getting Dinwiddie who, although since his ACL injury hasn't been, hasn't played as well. But, you know, sometimes a fresh start is all you need to be able to ramp up your play. But, yeah, that trade, I think, is a watch to me. I wouldn't necessarily say a watch because I think depending on what Spencer Dinwiddie can give you, that could be definitely a, a positive trade for them. But I think the Wizards getting Porzingis, you know, just with his skill set as a player, I definitely think that could be an upgrade for them because with Bradley Beal being out, I would think that Cal Kuzma and Porzingis are probably going to be the vocal points of their offense going forward. But, um, yeah, we're going to move on to the next one because it was a whole lot of them. Um, like I just mentioned, um, the Wizards made another deal. They moved Montrez Harold to the Washington Wizards for Ish Smith. Now, his mama knows she wrong for naming that nigga Ish. I know she probably, you know, saying my baby the shit or my baby the Ish probably, but baby that ain't it. Um, but 
and also Vernon Carey Jr., who is a project big man. Um, I think that's a, a decent trade for the Hornets. Now, Montrez Hurl being six seven six eight is not going to help their necessarily need of a big man, but you know Montrez definitely can score. Um, he can defend in some spots, um, but I think that that was a pretty good trade. They didn't give up much to get him. You know that definitely tells you how Washington viewed him. Um, but I think that was a pretty good trade. Um, moving on to the next trade, you know, you had the Boston Celtics trading for the Spurs. Derek White, um, they gave up Josh Richardson, uh, Romeo Langford, and a 2022 first-round pick. Um, I definitely think this is one of the more interesting ones because at this point in their career, Derek White, Derek White is definitely the better player. Um, and just based on the Celtics roster, they need scoring and they need more scoring and more ball handling that that they can get. Um, and, you know, Derek White can also defend, you know, being in the pop system, not playing defense is something that you just can't do. Um, but I definitely think that's a good trade for the Celtics getting a guard who can score, pass the ball, defend. You know, you're getting a player who has multiple facets to his game. Um, Moving on to the next one, we have a a four-team deal between the Pistons, the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Kings. Um, The Pistons get um, former, what, top three pick, Marvin Bagley. The Clippers get Rodney Hood and Simi Ojale. The Bucks get Serge Ibaka and and two second round picks, while the Kings get um, Divincenzo from the Bucks, Josh Jackson from the Pistons, and Trey Lyles from the Pistons, I think, as well. Uh, this is a definitely an interesting move. I mainly like this for the Pistons because you're getting Marvin Bagley, a young player who's talented. I just think that you know. How you progress as a player depends on the coaches you have and the front office and whatever place you land. I just think that Sacramento just wasn't the place for piss for uh, Marvin Bagley. Now you're definitely you're going to a from one piss poor franchise to the next one, but I think organizational wise, the Pistons are a better team, and you know they got more pieces that. When you look at them, you can see they're going in an upward t- trajectory. Um, but I definitely think this is an interesting move. Um, of course, for the Bucks, you're getting Serge Ibaka. If he can um, get be anything like he was for Toronto, that's definitely a great pickup for them. Um, based on the trade that happened earlier in the week with the Kings, I definitely think they were they were able to recoup on some of the scoring and you know that they lost with trading Buddy Buddy Hill and Halliburton by getting Divincenzo, who was a two way guard, can shoot the ball. Josh Jackson 
can score. Trey Lyles can stretch the floor as a big. Um, I definitely think that that was a nice package for the Kings by just giving up Marvin Bagley. Um, the Clippers, I just think they was in a deal just to do shit, honestly. They got Rodney Hood, who's been who has become just a rotational player like Simi Ojale, even though Rodney Hood is just a bigger name than Simi Ojale, but they're going to be doing the same thing. I don't see Rodney Hood playing a whole ton of minutes for the Clippers. Um, moving on to the next one, the Celtics made two more deals. The first one, they sent the second round pick to the Magic. No, they got a second round pick from the Magic, and they traded um, Bobo, PJ Dozier, a second round pick, and cash considerations. Um, I just think you know, just because the trade deadline, you want to get out some assets, get a couple assets back. Um, that's one of them trades where I just feel like they was just doing shit. Um, the Celtics made the second deal. The Celtics made they bring back former big man Daniel Tice from the Houston Rockets when in trading Dennis Schroeder, Bruno Fernando, and Ennis Freedom, aka Ennis Cantor. Um, there's been reports that Dennis Schroeder is gonna is gonna be one of those players that is likely gonna get bought out his contract. Um, one of the earliest reports so far that I've heard is that the Lakers have been have had thoughts about possibly bringing him back into the fold. You know, he didn't necessarily have the best season last year, and you know, we all know his fumble of the bag <laughs> he had last offseason and turning down a four year, eighty four million dollar deal the Lakers tried to give him, and only signing for the Celtics for. A little bit for almost like six million, um, but yeah. Moving along, uh, we have another trade with the Spurs and the Raptors. Um, the Raptors send Goran Dragic in a 2022 first round pick to the Spurs for Thaddeus Young, Drew Eubanks, and a 2022 second round pick. Another one of those trades where you're just I mean, the Spurs got a first-round pick, and at this point, that's probably the best thing for their franchise as far as trying to rebuild and find stars through the draft because San Antonio is not a sexy place like New York or L.A. or, you know, any of the, Tex- well, any of the other Texas teams. Um, so I think that's a good deal for them. Like with Dennis Schroeder, Goran Jargic is also one of those players who's been reported to be on the buyout market. Um, one of the first teams they've reported has been the Dallas Mavericks. You know, his connect with Luka Doncic, with them being uh, both from Slovenia, I think. So um, I think that will be a good move. I just don't necessarily know where – Grog um, Dragic would fit in their rotation with them training for uh, Spencer Dinwiddie with them already still having Jalen Brunson. I just would assume Luca might play more time at the two. I guess if that's the route they will go in. Um, 
But moving along, we're going to go to the four big trades that happened earlier in the week. Um, the Pacers get Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hill, and Tristan Thompson, and the Kings get Damona Sabonis. Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and 2023 second round pick. This is why the Kings ain't been good since I was in the fourth grade or the third grade. They ain't been good since Chris Webber fucked up his knee. They've been trash since then. They've been making trash decisions since then. So. I don't understand because Damonis Sabonis is a good player, but I don't think he's going to change life in Sacramento. Now, also, none of the players you trade, you traded would change the life in Sacramento, but they were still, still some of your best players because Damonis Sabonis, he going to score on the block, you know, get you four to five assists tonight, get you nine to ten rebounds, but that's about it. Now, that's not the short the short change the nigga. It's just that his his production or what he's putting into the game, now nah, I don't feel is gonna translate to more wins. Cause I feel they gave up too much just to get him. Cause he's not gonna change their life. He's not. Man, they got Tyrese Halliburton. Like, you just drafted this nigga two years ago. And he was your second best player in Bali. And then the motherfucker you kept in De'Aaron Fox. Now, I know some of y'all motherfuckers out there, you know, feel De'Aaron Fox is just like that. But, you know, he ain't trash, but he ain't trash, trash. But he at least glade smell good trash. <laughs> okay, so I just feel that that trade was dumb. Now, time will tell, you know, how well the trade ages, but in my opinion, that was a dumbass trade. Okay, in the next trade, we got the Clippers and the Trailblazers. The Clippers get Norman Powell and Robert Coverton, while the Trailblazers get Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, Justin wins on the second round pick. Now, to be honest with you, this is really about the Trailblazers rebuilding. That's what they're doing. Without saying they're rebuilding, that's what they're doing. As far as getting off contracts and taking back trash pieces. Because then we got the next trade with the Trailblazers in which they finally, after the speculation of the past three or four seasons, they finally traded C.J. McCollum. And they traded C.J. McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans for Nikhil Alexander Walker, Josh Hart, Diddy Luzada, Thomas Sadaransky, a 2022 first-round pick, and a 2026 second-round pick. And the Pelicans also got Larry Nance and Tony Snell. Now... I feel that this is a decent trade 
because with how Zion's future is in the air as far as them being a good basketball team, those first round that first round pick could be something. I'm pretty I got a feeling it'll probably be like a lottery pick. Um but I also feel they probably could have got more. It's just that, you know, you don't necessarily know where the temperature is on CJ McCollum as a trade asset. I necessarily feel they probably could have got a better deal, but, you know, I'm not a GM, so I don't know what the cause was looking like for CJ. But I think that was a decent trade. Um, Another team that's clearly... Well, I wouldn't necessarily say on a rebuild. I think they're on a rebuild on the fly. Um, the other trade that the Pacers made with the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, the Pacers in Karis LeVert and the 2022 second-round pick to the Cavs for Ricky Rubio, you know, who's injured for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Um, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2022 second-round pick, and the 2007, 2027 second round pick. Um, like I said, I just think this is about the Pacers trying to still be decent, but also rebuild on the fly. Um, I think the Pacers are one of those franchises because they're in a small, smaller market that they're necessarily never going to be one of those teams that's in the hunt to win a championship, they just are okay with making the playoffs every couple of years. You know, unfortunately, that sucks for their fan base. But I, from my feeling, I feel that's where their ownership and their management, I feel that's where their heads at. Um, moving along, um, just overall, my thoughts on the NBA trade deadline, you know, with the James Harden situation. I just feel for both teams, you won't be able to decide who was the winner of the trade till you see who was who going to be who and what is what. And what I mean with that is, is James Harden still James Harden? And is Ben Simmons, is it the version of Ben Simmons the Nets going to get, is that a better version, the same, or a worse version? Because if the 76ers are getting James Harden, James Harden, then we got something to talk about in the East because Joel Embiid been putting it up all year. And they still got, you know, a couple pieces. You know, you still got Danny Green in there. You still have um, Tobias Harris. Um, what's the, You still got Shake Milton and players like that. They still got a couple good pieces. Um, but like I said, if James Harden is James Harden, like the James Harden we seen once he got to Brooklyn, you know, with the fat suit and all that goofy ass shit he was on, if you get that with Joel and B playing the way he playing, the East is gonna be in trouble. Now, along with that, if KD come back and play the way he was playing before he got hurt. And you can, you know, whatever happened with the lift or not lift of the New York mandate um, with the vaccine, if Kyrie can be a full-time player and do Kyrie stuff, 
And Ben Simmons, hell, Ben Simmons is even what he was before, you know, all the shit happened in, uh, against Atlanta in Game 7 last season. If Ben Simmons can be a better version of himself or even a player he was in Philly, you know, not that shit in Game 7. We ain't talking, they don't need that, and I'm pretty sure they don't want that. But if he can be that, I mean, Brooklyn going to be headed that way. This is all about who's going to be on the other side in the Western Conference. Um, but we're going to move along to, you know, we're at this point a day and a half away from uh, the Super Bowl. Um, just a couple quick notes because I know in the last episode I already gave my prediction and, you know, talked about the game a little extensively. Um but this is the second time in Super Bowl history where two first-round picks have faced off against against each other. The last time this happened was in 2015 with Cam Newton and Peyton Manning. Um, just overall, my feelings on the game as far as how I think it's going to go, I think just like with all other games, you know, that's not decided by the reps or injuries – the game is going to be defined in the trenches. That's the Cincinnati offensive line versus the um, Rams defensive line and the uh, Rams offensive line against the uh, Bengals defensive line. Whoever win those battles, I feel, give their team the best chance to win the Super Bowl. Because I just feel personally people ain't giving – the Cincinnati Bengals defense, they flowers. That's just me. Because at the end of the day, however you want to slice it, whether you say Patrick Mahomes gave the game away or not, they still had that, held that nigga to three points in the second half. Three points is three points. I don't want to hear about no, he gave the game away or the play calling with some bullshit. Three points is still, it's three, three points is three points. Then that's what they did. They was getting dog walk on the first half, and the second half they held the negative three points. Okay. And Joe Burrow is gonna have to excuse me. Joe Burrow is gonna have to slang that thing. Uh, because I'm pretty sure, just like with all NFL games and all football games in general, you necessarily, unless your identity is running the football like the Rams or the Tennessee Titans, ideally you want to be a balanced offense. So I definitely think that they want to strive for that, but I think this game is probably going to be won through the air, you know, with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, um, T. Higgins. I don't know if their tight end is going to be back or not because I know he had like a, either an ankle injury or or MCL sprain. Um but I definitely think this game is probably going to be won through the air because I don't, you know, the Rams don't. The Rams have shown a willingness to try to win the football, but that's not necessarily the identity of their offense. And the Bengals, you know, with Joe Mixon, I feel they want to strive to be balanced on offense. Um, but I think the game is going to be won through the air. And, you know, just like everybody else, I'm going to be focused on, 
Is Jalen Ramsey going to follow Jamar Chase the whole game? Or are they going to bracket Jamar Chase and put um, Ramsey on Tyler Board or T. Higgins? I'm interested to see what that matchup is going to look like. The same thing for the um, Cincinnati Bengals. What is going to be their game plan for Cooper Cup? And are they going to do like the same thing that the Rams plan to do as far as bracketing Cooper Cup? But what the, what is that going to mean for what the coverage is going to look like for um, OBJ um, or Van Jefferson? Um, but I'm excited for the game. I, I, I can't wait. The only thing about the Super Bowl is it is it, great, you know, the food, the game, the halftime sometimes. Uh, the only sad thing about it is once it's over, you ain't got no football to August. And don't nobody really just be paying attention to the preseason, probably except for the first game, just to see what the rookies do or what they look like. That's the only sad thing about the Super Bowl. It's the last game into August. Um, but I definitely think that it's going to be a good game. And just in case you missed it, I'm about to re-give y'all my, my prediction of the game. Like I've been uh, asking people all day at work, you know, at Fresh Market, you know, with customers, who they're thinking. And, you know, just like I thought. You know how I feel. My head, my head is telling me Los Angeles Rams, but my heart is telling me Cincinnati Bengals. Because I feel the only way for the Bengals to win is for them to be on some New York Giants shit. I'm talking about 2011 and 2007. They're gonna have to get after Matthew Stafford. Because the Rams can run the football, but they want to pass the ball. They want to get it to Cooper Cup. They want to get it to OBJ. They want to get it to Vance Jefferson. They want to get it to Tyler Higby. They they want to pass the ball. And if you can get out to his ass, just like everybody think that the Rams are going to get out to Joe Burrow, if they can get out to his ass, then we, we got some. But I have the Cincinnati Bengals winning 31-28. That's my score. Um, I'm hoping it's definitely going to be a close game. I don't want to blow out either way, even though I want Cincinnati to win. Of course, for shock value, it would be cool to see, but I don't want to blow out either way um, because I'm going to feel like we didn't – um, chance COVID for nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on the game. Um, I can't wait to see it. Um, I think it's definitely going to be a good one because you got the storylines of, you know, Matt Stafford being in Detroit for the majority of his career, you know, only having two playoff appearances and losing both times. And people thinking that he's just a regular season quarterback, you know, like Aaron Rodgers or Phillip Rivers or somebody like that. And, you know, for him to finally win one and, you know, try to change the narrative of how people view him as a quarterback, um, I definitely think that's a great storyline. You know, also, 
You got the Cincinnati Bengals. Because to me, that's why I said what I said. They're going to have to be on some Eli shit because this is reminding me of some shit like that. Like, of course, I think Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Eli Manning. But I'm saying as far as, you know, having a go on the road and continue to defy the odds, um, they're definitely giving me feelings of that type of team. Um, I definitely think that, of course, with Cincinnati, who hasn't been to a Super Bowl since 1989, that's a long-ass time ago. Like, that's a long-ass time ago. I want to say that was Super Bowl twenty-three, with them losing to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I just think it would be great for the city of Cincinnati. I think it would be a great story because up until this point, the Joe Burrow that we know has been great in big moments. And there is no bigger moment than the Super Bowl. So I'm excited to see what he do. Um, like I said, I'm I'm excited for the city of Cincinnati because they were viewed as one of those snake bitten franchises, like the have at least recently anyway, the New York Giants, the New York Jets, the Detroit Lions, uh, the Vegas Raiders. You know those snake bitten franchises for who for most of my childhood were trash. Um, But, yeah, I hope they can pull it out. But, you know, I'm just looking forward to being a great game. Um, Moving along, we had the NFL honors last night along with the NBA draft, the NBA All-Star draft, excuse me. like we might have could have speculated, you know, I feel that Tom should have won with him being the yards leader, the touchdown leader. I feel he should have won, but then again, I'm biased. So don't listen to me. Um, but Aaron Rodgers took home MVP um, for Offensive Player of the Year, Cooper Cup. Won it, you know, with him being the triple crown at the wide receiver position, I don't know how he couldn't have won it. Yeah, he probably even had a chance to win MVP. Um, The coach of the year was Tennessee Titan head coach Mike Brable. Um, With them losing Henry for the majority of the season and for them to be able to still steer that ship ship into making the playoffs and even – Getting the number one seed was definitely a great feat for him. So I'm glad he was uh, able to win Coach of the Year because, you know, they definitely went through a lot of adversity this season. Um, the Defensive Player of the Year, I mean, with 22 and a half sacks, I mean, how could you not give T.J. White Defensive Player of the Year? Um, he been balling ever since he got in the league. Um and with the last name White, you knew he was going to be born already. Um, the comeback player of the year was Joe Burrow. Of course, you know, with him tearing his ACL last season and coming back and lighting up the field all season. And, you know, it's been carried on to the playoffs with them being in the Super Bowl in his second season um, as a starter. Um 
the defensive rookie of the year was of course Michael Parsons. Um, he definitely every time every time the Dallas Cowboys was on, he definitely was one of the players that lit up the TV screen with his ability to play in coverage, um, get to the quarterback, stuff the run. Definitely a great pickup for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I think he was the one of the central pieces in in them turning their defense around. Of course, you know you also had Stephon Diggs, D Law, um, and some of the other players on their defense. Um, but moving along, now it couldn't have been nobody else. Okay. Because, you know, midway through the season, people were saying Mac Jones. But when Jamar Chase kept bust on to that scene, you know, he had, I think he had two or three 200-yard games. Um, it couldn't have been nobody but Jamar Chase. You know, he had the the... Fumble, not the fumbling. He had the catching problems in the preseason, but ever since the preseason was over, he been up ever since. So it could have been anybody else. Um, the best moment of the year was Justin uh, Justin Tucker of the Baltimore Ravens making that last second sixty six yard field goal against the Detroit Lions. I mean, that boy got a leg. I hate to get kicked in the ass. I hate to get kicked anything with that nigga foot. He got a foot made of stone. Uh, that's definitely that was definitely one of the best moments of the year. Cause who the hell would think you could make a sixty-six yard field goal? I mean, even sixty used to be pushing it, but now motherfuckers is making them left and right, which you know take some of the shine off of it, but it's still impressive none the least. Um, the L.A. Rams tackle Andre Whitworth won man of the year. Um, I, you know, for as much talk as Tom Brady get, hell, this motherfucker old too. He ain't Tom Brady old, but he been in the league for a while. Um, but I definitely think that this is a... Um, one of the more interesting years as far as the who's won. You know, like I said, I would have picked Tom Brady for MVP. But, hell, I ain't mad at Aaron Rodgers. It's just that, you know, with how everything went for him in the playoffs, you know, takes a little shine off the MVP. Um, But I think that's... All I got for y'all today, um, you can be looking for episode seven, probably to be around the normal time. It's just that I had a whole lot of shit going on this week. Um, but like I said, this this your boy G, and uh, I'm out. <laughs>